Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 277th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that. To be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win! 54 to 53, North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You're on way to Worthy! Worthy 5! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May, it's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gadgum champions. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Anthony here by himself, again here for you guys. I recapped the game earlier today for you guys, and now I'm back to preview the game against Villanova here this evening. Josh, currently in Dallas, landed safely, ready to go for tomorrow. He's preparing for a big day as the Dallas Cowboys, his Dallas Cowboys, take on former Tar Heel quarterback Sam Howell and the Washington Commanders on Thanksgiving. It'll be his first game uh, in AT&T Stadium, so a really cool experience for him. I'm going to let him enjoy that and do everything I can here on the podcast side of things to hold it down. Uh, This is going to be a great matchup coming up on uh, Thursday afternoon, 2.30 on ESPN, as Carolina takes on Villanova for the first time since... That fateful night in 2016. We're going to talk a little bit more about the revenge factor in this game. Does that really play that big of a role for Carolina? I think it probably means a lot more to the fans than it does to the players. Uh, But, you know, Hubert Davis was a guy that was an assistant on that staff. So, who knows? It could play a little bit of a factor for him. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about that coming up. But we got to give you a look at the Villanova team that Carolina is getting set to face in this one on Thursday. Much different Villanova team than the one uh, that Carolina saw back in 2016. Uh, It's a team, you know, coached by Kyle Neptune coming off of a year where they missed the NCAA tournament. uh, That, you know, there are some questions about what exactly this team is. So far this year, 4-1 and on the season. They picked up the victory earlier today in the battle for Atlantis, the second game of the battle for Atlantis uh, as they took on Texas Tech. They won that one 85-69. 
Uh, really good all-around performance from them. Didn't shoot the ball great, uh, just 43% from the field, 25 of 58 in the matchup. But still, uh, you know, a team that is going to be the biggest threat to Carolina that they've faced so far this year. Um, you know, you look at their season in a nutshell so far, 4-1. Uh, and one. Uh, They started out with two easy games. Uh, they beat American, uh, and then they beat a, a new team to uh, the Northeast Conference, LeMoyne. Uh, beat both of those teams pretty handedly. They then had to take on Penn uh, at the Palestra uh, as part of the Big Five tournament, which is something they do in Philly. They have been doing it for a long, long time, a very historical uh, showcase that they do up there. And they fall to the Quakers 76 to 72 last Monday. So, you know, think at that time, everybody's kind of wondering, uh-oh, is this going to be something somewhat similar to what we saw from Villanova a year ago? I, too, had that thought. Uh, they responded uh, last Friday at home against Maryland. Uh, they take them down with a 57-40 to victory. Uh, just completely shut down the Terrapins' offense. Uh, now, the thing is, is that Maryland, not nearly as good as they've been in years past. So, look, not taking anything away from that victory whenever you hold any opponent to 40 points. Uh, it's definitely an impressive feat. And this is a really good defensive Villanova team. Uh, but that certainly doesn't carry as much weight as it probably did in years past. The win over Texas Tech, though, is an impressive one. A team that's not playing great so far uh, to start the year, especially on the offensive end. Came in averaging just 67.3 points per game uh, coming into that matchup with Villanova. They got a little bit over that, uh, but they were a tremendous defensive team. We're averaging, uh, allowing just 50.7 points per game. Uh, Grant uh, McCasklin uh, is their coach now. You know, that's one of the things that they're kind of focused on. Uh, still, you know, not quite the group that was there uh, during their national title game run uh, under Chris Beard and not even really the group that was there under Mark Adams before he, of course, was ousted from that job. But uh, still, you know, a pretty solid group. Uh, for the most part, you know, Villanova sort of held that team in check. Uh, you know, their, their leading scorer, Pop Isaacs, had a pretty successful day, 16 points, but was just 4 of 14 from the field. A uh, reason that he was successful and was able to put up that amount of points was that he hit four threes. Uh, you know, Joe Toussaint also had a pretty solid day, 15 points for him, a little bit better from the field, 5 and 9, 3 of 7 from deep. So that was really the one thing in this game that Texas Tech was able to exploit. They hit 14 threes in this game. Uh, didn't shoot the ball great overall, though, just 41%. Uh, so definitely something that, you know, Carolina can look at. Uh, they probably want to be a little bit more efficient, though, overall from the field in this one. Another big issue for Texas Tech in this game. Did get to the line 22 times. That's something that Carolina's got to look at. But they only converted 13 of those 22 attempts at the line. Carolina, a much better free throw shooting team. As for what Villanova did in this game, they were led 
by preseason second team all Big East forward Eric Dixon. He had a tremendous day for him. 19 points, 6 rebounds, 3 steals for him. Uh, he's their big man uh, at 6'8", uh, averaging, or, or, you know, just came in averaging uh, just around 8 points per game. So this is a huge jump for him. Uh, best performance of the year, without a doubt. 6 of 13 from the field in this one. 2 of 5 from beyond the arc. Is a guy that could stretch the floor. Not something Carolina has had a lot of issues with early on in the season, though. They've done a really good job of defending some of those stretch forwards. Saw him against Northern Iowa earlier today. Also saw him a little bit against UC Riverside. And Carolina handled it with flying colors. Uh, Justin Moore, he's their big name guy that was a preseason first team all Big East player. Uh, certainly a guy that in just about any other year in the Big East would probably be the preseason player of the year in the conference. But considering that you've just got so much talent at UConn, so much talent at Marquette, um, and a ton of talent at Creighton, it makes sense why he's not. Uh, but still, 18 points in this game, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, was just 6 of 15 from the field, so not a very efficient game for him. Somewhat similar to what we saw from R.J. Davis in this matchup. Those two are going to be going head-to-head, -head, uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, which one of those guys is really able to break out uh, and have a good second game after struggling a little bit in that first game. A uh, team that's not really overly deep as they showed in this one. Their other starters were solid, not spectacular. They combined for just 22 points. Uh, so not a whole lot going on there. Um, but still, you know, a group that Carolina's got to be weary of. They have had some success here early in the season at spreading the scoring around. Off the bench, did have three guys that scored more than seven points in this game. Lance Ware, their ninth guy off the bench, did play 14 minutes for them. Really is there for rebounding. Not much of a uh, an offensive threat. Uh, but did rip down five boards in this game to help contribute in a game where Villanova averaged right around their season average of 39 rebounds per game, which is pretty solid. It's in the middle of the country, uh, and that's still going to you know, be a little bit of a challenge for Carolina here uh, as they continue to try to rebound the ball a little bit better. Carolina 36 rebounds in their game against Northern Iowa, if you want to compare that performance. Um, you know, overall, this is a really solid Villanova roster. Good defensive team. Uh, in this one, what, they, they weren't crazy efficient, but still a team that can shoot the ball, uh, especially from the outside. You know, they knocked down uh, nine threes in this game. Uh, they'll be looking to be a little bit more efficient. They've struggled a little bit with that early on in the season, but I think it's really a case of what Carolina is going through. They have guys that can shoot it on the roster. Carolina's got to be careful. We've seen, especially in the first half of these games, uh, teams have shot the ball very, very well, and you're hoping that Villanova is not one of those teams that's able to come out and do that. Meanwhile, for Carolina, they're coming off the 91-69 victory over Northern Iowa. Uh, it was a game that Carolina trailed by six at halftime, uh, but were able to really flip a switch coming out of halftime. 8-0 run in the first two minutes. They extend that out to a 34-8 run. Uh, overall to begin the half and that put a huge bit of distance between them as they go from down six to up 22 
and never really looked back. The game never got closer than 14. Carolina ends up winning it in the end by 22, so you can't really argue with that. Three players came into the tournament averaging double-figure scoring. Armando Baycott, 22.3 points per game, 13.3 rebounds per game certainly not Armando's best performance by any stretch uh, you know it's just three of eight from the field well below his season average uh, field goal wise uh, field goal percentage wise that is uh, you know did play 20 just 22 minutes which is also lower than his season average had just 10 points eight rebounds in this one clearly wasn't nearly as effective uh, picked up four fouls that was a big part of why uh, he didn't play nearly as much and who knows if he plays a little bit more maybe he is able uh, to find some points there find a little bit more efficiency from the field uh, but really it was just an off day for a lot of guys in terms of their production from the field i mean look Carolina's top scorers, Harrison Ingram, shot under 50%, but had 16 points on 5 of 12 shooting, uh, 4 of 6 from beyond the arc, which was what really mattered, 10 rebounds, his first double-double as a Tar Heel, just the sixth of his career overall. Uh, and really, you know, the thing that I highlighted there, his three-point shooting was the, the biggest thing that really started to click for Carolina in the second half. They go 9 of 13 from beyond the arc uh, in that final stanza. Cormac Ryan, three threes himself, uh, and that was really all his production from the field on the day. 3 of 12 from the field overall. Uh, all three coming from downtown did uh, go 6 of 6 at the free throw line, which was easily... Uh, the best on the team for Carolina in this one. Uh, 15 points for him. That's that's a good outing. Had three blocks as well, so really committed on the defensive end. Uh, R.J. Davis, not his most efficient day from the field. Four uh, of 11 from the field. Three of seven from beyond the arc. Uh, two of three at the free throw line for him. Did have three turnovers, and uh, they were some ugly ones at times, but did find four assists as well. So, yeah, not his best game. Matching up against uh, Justin Moore, who didn't have his best game, that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, and then, you know, for the bench production for Carolina, very, very good in this one. Elliot Cadeau, 15 points off the bench for Carolina. Uh, five of nine from the field. Uh, one of three from deep, four of five from the foul line. Also had 11 points for Jalen Withers off the bench. Four of five from the field, the most efficient day of any of the Tar Heel players. Uh, one of two from beyond the arc, two of two uh, at the foul line. Four rebounds uh, was a defensive wizard in this one. Uh, but the other guys that were averaging double figures coming into the tournament, R.J. Davis, 14.3 points per game. 3.3 uh, rebounds, 2.3 assists, was shooting 44%, just 28% from beyond the arc, so a little bit of a better shooting day from outside for him. And Harrison Ingram, his number will definitely be going up, and you would hope that's something uh, that could be a trend here for him in Nassau over uh, the next two days as well. Ingram, 12 points per game coming in, 6.7 rebounds. 1.7 assists, was shooting 45% from the field and 32% from three. That's another number that you like to see heading up. Carolina was aggressive getting to the foul line uh, the majority of the year coming in. That did not change in this game against Northern Iowa. 31 times Carolina got to the free throw line. 27 
free throws made. Uh, this is one area that Carolina probably doesn't get talked about enough. They have shown major improvement from a year ago. Not only are they getting to the foul line more because of how aggressive they are, they're also uh, hitting their foul shots. That was one of the biggest issues for this team a year ago. It was a big part uh, in why Carolina was able to establish the type of cushion that they were against Northern Iowa, although they did let Northern Iowa get to the free throw line a pretty good amount in this game. Easily the most that they have allowed any opponent to get to the foul line this year. 22 shots at the foul line for uh, Northern Iowa. Only 15 of them went home, though, so that was a big part of why Carolina was able to have success. Coming into the tournament, Carolina was averaging, allowing just 7.7 .7 free throw attempts, only 5.7 makes. So, you know, Carolina in this one, Villanova's game plan is going to be to get downhill, get to the free throw line because they did it so successfully uh, against uh, against Texas Tech. Uh, you know, 32 attempts at the line for them right around where Carolina was at. So uh, th these are two teams that that's clearly a part of what they want to do. And hopefully, you know, Carolina is able uh, to find a way to uh, be, you know, a little bit more efficient on the defensive end of the four and not let them get to the foul line quite as often. Now we have to talk about the biggest elephant in the room, and that is the matchup with Villanova. Uh, this is the first time, guys, since 2016 that these two teams are meeting. It felt like there were a couple of other chances along the way. I know the year after, uh, a lot of us in our brackets picked Villanova to make it back there. I think that was really just us wanting them to get back there so that Carolina could get their revenge. They were not a part of the revenge tour. And really since then, Carolina hasn't had many opportunities to potentially match up with them. So... Uh, this is, you know, a chance for Carolina uh, to, you know, rid themselves of some demons as a program. Uh, but the thing is, is, you know, is this really a, a chance at revenge? I saw a lot of people sort of discussing this. You know, these aren't the same players. Uh, you know, there there is a good amount of guys on the coaching staff that do have ties to that game. So maybe that's the real connection. But uh, it'll be interesting. I, I think from a player's standpoint, I don't feel like a lot of them will probably have uh, that sort of ill will, uh, that sort of bad taste in their mouth uh, that the fans will and that, you know, maybe some of the coaches will have as well. I mean, look, there are a lot of guys on that sideline that were a part of Roy Williams' staff. You have, of course, the head coach, Hubert Davis, who was a part of that, was extremely emotional after the game, as many people may remember. Uh, Sean May was on that coaching staff as well. Brad Frederick on that coaching staff. And then uh, the one that, that probably means the most to, maybe even over Hubert Davis, is the guy that is back uh, at Carolina in his first year as a coach and hit the biggest shot in that game before, of course, the last shot. And the one that I think all of us thought at the time was going to send the game to overtime, and that's Marcus Page. You wonder if that could be sort of a rallying cry in this game and could serve as a little bit of extra motivation. Because for the players, I just I don't know how much of 
this, they're really going to, I'm not going to say understand, they probably do understand and it's probably going to be explained to them. Um, they, they were probably old enough as well to remember that tournament, but at the same time, you know, they didn't live it like some of these other guys did. So it'll be an interesting dynamic, but I don't think that's going to be the messaging from Hubert Davis. I think that is so far in the past now. I mean, if, believe it or not, you are talking about uh, almost eight years now since that happened. Uh, you know, this year, this year's NCAA tournament will be eight years since that. So uh, it's been a while. I can't believe it's actually been that long either. It feels like that was just yesterday. Uh, and that heartbreak is still something that uh, I will never get over, even though the team did find a way to avenge it uh, the next season. Uh, I think it, it, to, to us as fans, it's a much bigger deal. Um, I, I think this is something that we really want. We want to beat them um, you know, in our first matchup against them since then. I don't. It, clearly, it's not going to erase everything that happened. Anybody that feels that way, uh, I, I don't really know how you could possibly feel that way because the stakes are nowhere near as high as they were. Um, I, I would like to eventually see them again in the NCAA tournament. Uh, maybe, you know, in the Final Four, maybe in the National Final again. That would be amazing, and Carolina finds a way to avenge it there. Then we can have that conversation. But until then, you know, this is a feast week tournament. Um, it's, you know, for me, I'm focused on what does it mean for this year's Carolina team. This would be a huge win for them. Would get them to the final and give them a chance to pick up a second big win. I think if they win this one, you can also feel pretty comfortable about where Carolina is is at regardless of what happens in the final unless they just go out there and get blown out. Um, I think at that point, you know, three games in three days with a relatively new team, um, you never really know what the, what team could show up out there. Um, so I, I think as, as long as Carolina wins this game, they have to feel pretty good about where they're at. Um, but that's not going to be easy at all. And here are the keys to a Carolina victory. Number one is making perimeter shots because that's going to be the focus of Villanova. They're going to do exactly what Northern Iowa did early in the game. I know that Carolina, you know, they got hot there in that second half. So you would think, okay, maybe Villanova is going to take them seriously from beyond the arc, try to run them off the line uh, early on. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think that Villanova is going to dare Carolina to hit some shots early. Uh, it also you know, really depends on what the starting lineup is. I will say this. I don't think there is any way possible that it is the same starting lineup for Carolina as it was today. Uh, Seth Trimble, they put him in there for Paxson Wojcik. Don't really think it was Seth Trimble's fault. I, I think for the most part, you know, he came in. Uh, was giving Carolina some some good stuff on the defensive end of the floor. It was really his teammates that weren't locked in from the word go on that end. Uh, but he just wasn't able to provide the offensive punch that Carolina really needed at that time. I think the guy that you know provided a little bit of offensive punch, but did some things uh, defensively that really just messed with Northern Iowa and could also give Villanova some problems with Villanova not being exactly the 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 longest or uh, you know biggest team that Carolina is going to face this year, uh, I, I think Jalen Withers is the guy that's got to start this game. I think that's probably the guy that starts at the four. Uh, and if you have him out there, you know he's capable of making those perimeter shots. 
and you need him to. You need him to keep going down for him. You need him to keep going down for Cormac Ryan, uh, like they did in that second half, and you need Harrison Ingram to keep shooting well from the outside. But more than anything, you need R.J. Davis to get going from the outside. If Carolina can make those perimeter shots and you know, sort of bring guys back out to the three-point line, it's going to open everything up. We saw how it did in that second half against Northern Iowa because, yeah, Carolina hit a lot of outside shots to sort of extend the lead, but then they kept the lead by getting inside, getting to the basket, drawing fouls, getting to the free throw line, or finishing inside. So ultimately, that needs to be Carolina's plan in this one. Find a way to unpack that paint, um, you know, get in you know, from the outside, continue that rhythm that you have, uh, and, you know, make Villanova have to run you off of that three-point line because this is a good defensive team. Uh, but Carolina, I think, if their guys are on, the way they've been moving the ball, they've been getting great looks, even did it in that first half against Northern Iowa where they just weren't going, I think they'll still be able to create some really good looks. Uh, the, uh, on the flip side, uh, the second key to the game is protect the three-point line. I think it's crucial for Carolina to take away the three-point shooting of Villanova. This was a team that came in to uh, this tournament with the 27th most uh, three-point attempts per game in all of college basketball this year. Uh, they were averaging 29 per game, uh, you know, which is actually more uh, three-point attempts than they were averaging two-point attempts. Two-point attempts, they were averaging just 26.3 coming in, which was 359th in the country. So a team that is really focused on shooting the ball from the outside. A little bit more uh, you know, paint-oriented in this one. Uh, they stepped inside the three-point arc a little bit more against uh, Texas Tech. Um, but still shot 24 threes, so a little bit under their season average, but closing in on their season average. Uh, and nine makes uh, was really right around their same number that they had coming in, uh, a little bit under it, but uh, 10.3 per game, which was 24th in the country. Uh, they're shooting 35.3% from beyond the arc. So it's something they want to do a lot of. Justin Moore, it's a big part of his game. Uh, over half of his shots coming in were from beyond the three-point line. Uh, and as I mentioned, Eric Dixon, the guy that led them in scoring, their big man, uh, he is a guy that can stretch the floor too. Uh, they have a ton of guys that shoot it. I mean, they, out of their six uh, top rotation players, the guy that's, that play the most minutes for them. There is not a single guy that takes uh, less than two and a half threes per game coming in to uh, the tournament. So really a group that focuses on shooting from the outside. To me, your plan needs to be to run them off that three-point line and make them do something inside against you. Make them have to drive the lane. Uh, you had nine blocks in this uh, in the game against Northern Iowa, uh, you did a great job of protecting the rim. You got to do a better job of you know stopping some of the dribble drive penetration early on in the game we th that we saw from Northern Iowa. That's kind of been an issue for Carolina early in games this year. Um, but you know as long as you do that uh, and you're smart, not allowing uh, some of these chief fouls that allow Villanova to get to the line, which will be a big focus for them as well. 
I think Carolina's got a really good chance to have another good defensive performance against a Villanova team uh, that you know has been scoring the ball at a pretty solid rate to begin the season, uh, but not doing so at uh, at a high rate against some of uh, the best competition that they faced prior to the game against Texas Tech. Uh, the third key to the game is create turnovers. Villanova is a team that's been very loose with the basketball here early on in the season. The third key to the game, got to pay tribute to what uh, Josh Marlowe tells us just about every time that he is on this podcast, and it's win the rebounding battle. I know, I know it seems to be a key to just about every game, but uh, this is one of those games where Carolina has to be able to win on the glass. It's a smaller team. Uh, as I mentioned, this is a team that doesn't have a guy over 6'9 on the entire roster, so a very small group of guys. But at the same time, a team that rebounds the ball pretty well for a team of their size. As I mentioned, a right at 39 rebounds per game, which is pretty much middle of the country. Uh, it's right around 137th. Uh, that's where they were at entering the tournament. Don't feel like that probably moved all that much with them uh, averaging right around uh, almost exactly uh, their uh, amount of rebounds per game uh, against Texas Tech. So uh, it, it's you know a solid rebounding team, especially on the defensive glass. Their 28.3 defensive rebounds is 92nd in the country. So uh, this, this is a group that Carolina's got to be prepared for. And more than anything, it's also just a key for Carolina because if Carolina rebounds at a high level, it allows them to get back, to get out on the fast break uh, and really finish at the rim with uh, a, a relative ease. And that's the thing that you didn't really see a lot of in this game. Even at times against UC Riverside, Carolina wasn't able to do that because they weren't winning the rebounding battle. So, look, th this is something that you know I think is still a work in progress for this group. Uh, I still feel like, you know, for Carolina, this is kind of part of what you're going to have to embrace with this Tar Heel team. They're not going to be the team that we saw under uh, Roy Williams where they have two bigs and they were just absolutely dominant every single year. They were inside of the top five and rebounding without a doubt for the entire season. I don't think that's what Carolina is, but in this matchup against a team like Villanova, you don't want to give them second chance opportunities uh, because they are going to want to make the game ugly. Um, they, that, that's you know how they end up, uh, you know, allowing just 59 points per game coming into uh, this this game uh, or coming into the tournament rather uh, so I, I think you know for Carolina if you can rebound the ball well and get out uh, on the fast break it's going to allow you to control the pace of the game which is something that we talked about so much that we wanted to see from Carolina early in the season so far it's working out pretty well for Carolina. They've controlled the pace in a lot of the games that they've played in, including in the second half of the game against Northern Iowa. But they can't let Villanova do what Northern Iowa did in that first half. Uh, if they do, and Villanova's controlling the pace, it's going to be much more difficult to steal it back from them. Uh, in terms of uh, prediction for this game, again, it's just me, so I'm just going to make the prediction myself. I think Carolina wins it. I think Carolina is the deeper team here. Uh, as I mentioned, you know they, they're 
this this is a group for Villanova that does go nine deep. Uh, but the thing is, is that this is a group that doesn't really have the type of scoring that Carolina has off the bench. I think a lot of guys on Carolina's bench are starting to hit their stride. Um, we'll, we'll see, you know, Elliot Cadell, I doubt he's going to be the guy that starts, but one of him, either him or uh, or uh, Jalen Withers, uh, will be on the bench in this game. They will be the guy that can sort of be the fire starter off the bench. And you've still got a lot of other guys, guys like Jalen Washington, who didn't have his greatest game, but has been playing pretty well early in the season. Uh, that you know is going to be available for you. You do have Paxson Wojcik coming off the bench. Still yet to see a great game from him. So uh, could he be the guy that sort of do for a little bit of a breakout in this one? Uh, Zayden High, still a guy uh, that's a little bit of a work in progress. Um, but, you know, you never really know when he could be a guy just because of the way that he plays, the intensity that he plays with. Uh, he could be a guy that potentially breaks out a little bit for Carolina. So, so many guys off the bench. I just think it's a little bit too much for Villanova. I also think uh, Carolina will be able to build off of the success that they had from beyond the arc. I don't expect this to be uh, another game where they knock down 12 threes, but could I see them getting somewhere in that 8-9 possibly that 10 area. I could see it. I think Harrison Ingram's a guy that once he gets in a little bit of a rhythm, it's going to be hard to get him out of it. I think he carries that over. Cormac Ryan's feeling confident after uh, that second half. You could tell that uh, after he hit those threes early on uh, against uh, in that second half earlier today. So I think he's definitely a guy that will be able to build off of that performance. And I think both Armando and R.J. Davis are going to be motivated to bounce back from this one. Uh, you know, Don't think Carolina reaches 91 points in this game. Uh, I think it'll probably be a little bit more of a low-scoring affair. But I like Carolina to eke it out uh, probably around uh, 5 to 10 points, somewhere in that range right there. I think Carolina gets it done and advances on to the battle for Atlanta's final. Of course, my prediction is it will be Memphis. Memphis still alive, so that possibility still on the table for the Tar Heels. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Hey, guys, make sure you head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. We've had you covered there. Uh, I had the recap for you guys after today's game against Northern Iowa, so make sure that you guys go back and read that. Uh, also, check out the recap edition of the podcast if you did not get the breakdown of what Carolina did against Northern Iowa. Uh, you know, we go a little more in depth on what the Tar Heels did in that game uh, and maybe how it could carry over into this game against Villanova. So make sure that you guys do go back and listen to that. Um, I'll be taking you through uh, most of this tournament. Uh, Josh uh, may potentially hop on uh, one of the nights, but I think his plan as of right now is to uh, do something on Saturday where he sort of recaps the tournament himself uh, once he gets back and settled at home. Uh, so we'll, we'll you know, plan on him not being a part of the podcast here, me just doing them uh, by myself here. Hopefully I'm doing a good enough job uh, while he is out. Probably not the most efficient way of doing things, kind of like the, the day for Carolina from the field. Not the most efficient, but still putting up uh, a, a, you know, a good amount of points and a solid performance uh, that can advance us on. So uh, really appreciate you guys uh, you know, through uh, being flexible. Well, you know, we're, he, Josh gets a chance to spend a little bit of quality time 
uh, with his family here on this holiday. Um, also, uh, make sure that you guys are, you know, while, while you're there, you're checking out uh, the football content as well. Uh, I have uh, been covering you guys all season on Tar Heel football and will continue to do so here as we get prepared for the game against State. That preview will be up on Friday night. Also, uh, that preview edition of the podcast for the State game is up uh, and running. So, you guys, make sure you head over there and check that out. Uh, so that is going to wrap it up once again for this edition of the podcast. Uh, first, want to thank you guys for listening, uh, as always. Uh, more importantly, want to wish you guys a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll be back, uh, you know, tomorrow night recapping Carolina's game. Uh, but going to enjoy a little bit of family time as well. Uh, eat some turkey, everything like that. Hopefully, uh, whatever your family cooks, no matter what it is, uh, you guys have a wonderful time with your family and friends. Uh, and uh, you know, stuff stuff your faces a little bit. Uh, also, uh, you know, after you know the Carolina game is over, if you want to eat in the middle of the Carolina game, not really sure. Uh, but uh, hopefully you have a uh, great holiday, and uh, we'll uh, see you back here. Uh, and and uh, hopefully you guys will be tuned in tomorrow night when I get the recap of Carolina's game against Villanova. And, of course, we'll do the quick turnaround again, two separate editions of the podcast. It'll probably be even quicker tomorrow night to turn around, uh, as I'll have you then covered on whoever Carolina is playing on Friday. So, once again, thanks so much for listening. Happy Thanksgiving, and as always, go Tar Heels! Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that!